You're listening to The Samitarium Podcast with Sam Langford. Hello, welcome to The Samitarium Podcast. It's me again. I'm back for episode six. So I hope that was a little bit positive, the way I introduced the show. A bit more upbeat, a bit more, you know, happy. Um, that's what this episode's going to be about. Hopefully, I'm going to try and make people laugh, which I don't do a lot, don't do very well. But hey, I'm going to have a go. So uh, yeah, we're here again. We're at episode six. It's great to be back. Um, it's great to be recording. Um, it's a sun- sunny day. I'm recording on a Thursday. Um, and the sun's out, it's 15 degrees, we're not indoors, we're out in the garden, Um, we've got toys out for the kids, we've got cups of tea made, um, and it's great. So um, I'm going to start the show this week by talking, which is good because that's what this is all about, you know, I do talk on it. So, um, but what I'm going to talk about firstly is this coronavirus um, pandemic because I did a live episode um, and I feel I didn't say much as much as I could have done about it. Uh, I think it was a bit of nerves being live and obviously there was people answering you know questions and reading out their comments and stuff. So I wanted to just start um, by just talking a little bit about the current situation um i don't want to bore anybody um i know it's all over the news and all over social media uh you can't get away from it at the minute so now you're probably thinking oh great i thought i'd put this podcast on to get away from it and here it is he's back he's doing it no 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 i'm not going to be long i'm just going to uh talk about a little bit um about how i've been feeling um in the respect of mental health um i did go a little bit into it yesterday um yesterday sorry that that being wednesday a week ago now you're listening to this um but i wanted to delve a little bit deeper into it because it's affecting a lot of people um and my personal feelings of the whole thing is is worry is you know I'm, I'm scared i'm not gonna lie um it is a scary time um i i went yesterday um i went to the shop to get some bread uh, some milk things like that <clears throat> and uh, i wore a mask um and i took some uh, gloves with me um just to the local shop literally from where i live is three or four minute walk um picked up a few bits and bobs um and there was nobody on the streets apart from people maybe in their front gardens uh you know having a cigarette or having a cup of tea um there's a few people walking dogs with masks on um it's crazy when when you see people you know in different situations i know a lot, a lot of the chinese wear the masks um in you know day to day anyway um and you always think well we wearing a mask for but now it's kind of become the norm so um <clears throat> excuse me uh so yeah i got some bits and bobs it was nice to have a little walk it wasn't um i could have carried on walking you know but um as i've mentioned i am diabetic so i do have to be really careful um but it was nice to just get a bit of exercise cleared my mind a little bit um but to to uh, make you laugh um I was just walking past one of the um, streets near my house and I was in these blue flip-flops and I remember these flip-flops because we bought them while we was on holiday because I'd broken another pair and uh, they only cost me about two and a half euro and I popped them on yesterday as I was walking back you know the little front bit that your toe your, your big toe and your other toe you know go between 
Well, that popped out, so I went arse over tip, right in front of a guy washing his car. Um, and a lady across the street, a Polish lady, bless her, she did actually ask if I was all right. Um, so uh, I just said, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I've just uh, dropped me shopping and, um, you know, look a bit of a pillock. But other than that, you know, it's all good. So I, I got myself back up and when I got home, I looked at my knees and it looked like I'd been playing in the playground when you used to be at school and you'd fall over and you'd have that kind of white glaze over your legs where you've fallen. These teachers used to grab it and just wipe it off, and it was like it was magic, it's gone. So, uh, the wife uh, did a bit of magic for me yesterday and wiped me down. Um, yeah, so that, there's, a, there's a little bit of a laugh, me falling over, a, bit, a big guy falling over, it's always good. Um, but yeah, so uh, feeling wise, Jesus, I mean, I think I've been feeling very low some days. Um, I think I've been feeling, well, I think I say I think, I know I've been feeling very low some days. Um, very stressed um, you know we've got a newborn we've got a toddler in my personal opinion our family you know where we're doing as much as we can to keep them entertained I mean newborns they sleep they eat and they and they poo but toddlers you know two year old he wants to crack on and play so like I said yesterday on the uh, on the live Facebook live video we um, we've tried to get as many garden toys as we can for him and uh, you know the, the soft mats so we can just play in his, his water and he's he enjoying himself so it's nice to see but I won't repeat that because I've already gone through stuff like that so um, I think one of the things that uh, I've uh, noticed is there's a lot of people uh, on some of the groups and um, different you know the different mental health groups that I'm, I'm actually a part of um, there's more people joining um, because they're kind of in that situation where they're feeling really low and they, they don't know whether or not it's because of this uh, coronavirus uh, outbreak or you know are they noticing symptoms of, of anxiety disorder of depression and it's hard for everybody because you can't recognize it when everybody feels the way they do um, there's people that are you know feeling very claustrophobic and um, also you know there's there's people out there that are going to be worried because and scared like these people on the front line for us at the at the hospitals at the supermarkets um, you know the Royal Mail and the list goes on and uh, I've actually had an email through from somebody who would like to remain anonymous um, which is absolutely fine as everybody knows on my show there is no pressure uh, your name never has to be mentioned if you, if you don't want it to be mentioned so um, the email I'm going to read, uh, I've actually got it in front of me now. So this relates to what I've just been talking about. I don't know where to start, really, and I don't know whether it is what I don't know whether it is what's going on currently or not. But here it is. Although I'm not medically diagnosed with anything, the way I'm feeling at the minute is hurting. I'm currently at home with what's going on, and I'm struggling being bottled. I'm I'm struggling being bottled up inside feeling claustrophobic in my own home. The family that I am in, we always have been workers. Day or night, we are provided for our families, whatever the case. My dad told me yesterday, when his mum, my nana, passed away, he went to work the same day, and that was his way of coping. Uh, and in my And in my head, I should be working, providing for my wife and children, and now that I can't, I feel like I'm letting them down. With me being at home, I have to put on a brave face for them and to let them know that everything is going to be all right. 
Then once they all go to bed, I just sit and cry and reflect on what I should be doing as a husband, as a father, which I can't currently, and it upsets me. They go on to say, another thing which is majorly getting to me is that I have grown up with my older brother with, a disabil with disability problems. Now, I know that I should be used to them after 25 years. My son has been diagnosed with autism and possible ADHD. Like I said, I should be used to the signs of it, but I'm struggling. My son has... Sorry, my son has good days and bad days and being stuck in the house, we are constantly trying to keep him happy with minimum meltdowns. We have a big, we, we have had a big one today where he has hysteric, been hysterically crying to the point where I am being used as a target. Anything he can get his hands on, he has been aimed and thrown them at me and it's hard. He can't, his, he can't express his feelings to me when all I want to do is help him and understand what has set it off and with him not being able to talk to me and tell me what it's gone up what's gone on again i'm feeling sh i'm feeling like shutting down i wish i could take it all away from him and i would do in a heartbeat but this is a daily struggle for both of him and me as neither of us know what is going to happen until it does but yeah with everything going on around me is both mentally and emotionally draining I'm at an all-time low and I don't know how to pick myself up. I try doing my best for everyone and put a brave face, but deep down, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like I said, at the start, I know that I haven't been diagnosed with anything, but it's hard at the minute. Sorry about this, I'm, I'm reading without glasses on. But it's hard at the minute to go to the doctors and speak to them and my feelings of and my feelings and what's going on in my head. But I'm hoping that sending an email anonymously and opening up with what I'm going through, it may even help me a little bit and it may help other people to open up too. Thank you and thank you and everybody stay safe. So that's the email um, I've received on the Sanitarium podcast mail. Um, it's a really, really good email. Um, so I'm going to go into it a little bit, uh, some of the things I recognize in there myself. Um, so first thing that is uh, the claustrophobia. Um, yeah, we, we all we all feel claustrophobic at the minute. Um, now, it's very, very difficult to not feel that way when you are stuck in, you know, with the four walls um, or in a garden or if you're in a flat, you haven't even got a garden. So that's really difficult. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go on to what I feel, um, you know, at the end of going through your email. But so you, you, you've mentioned that your dad told you, you yesterday that when his mum died, he went straight back to work. Um, I can't remember what episode it was, uh, but we covered uh, a bit of about grief and uh, mentioned that there's there's so many different ways to deal with grief. Um, and one of them was, you know, get straight back into your normal life, and that uh, that seems to me that how um, how you would deal with 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 grief yourself um, if you had to grieve, if you know what I mean. But in this situation, what I feel is, yes, you've you've gone from complete normality, providing for your family, uh, working um, the hours you do to being at home with no job, um, stuck in the house. Um, so 
if if you are the same as your dad, then yeah, that that's what's affecting you. That is going to affect you hugely because um, it's such a huge change in your life. Um, so I feel that that would be why um, it's hit you so hard. Um, if that helps in any way. Um, just going through reading a little bit. Uh, so you, you've you've said. Um, you've mentioned no diagnosis um you know i'm as i say i'm no doctor of mental health but looking you know looking at some of these uh, things you've written to me i do recognize a few um myself now uh the only thing with this is what you've said is you've said that this has been happening more recently now if i were to take a guess i would say maybe the whole coronavirus situation has led these symptoms on. Um, if you've not had these symptoms previously before all of this, the, the uh, virus outbreak, then maybe it is just this uh, situation um, that's brought these emotions um, on. Uh, you, you, you said you feel like a failure because you're not providing for your family. Um, I can only say, please do not feel like a failure you are doing what you do best as a father as a husband um you can't go out to work at the minute legally you're not allowed you know uh, whatever you do as a job if you have been told by the government you cannot go to work don't you feel bad personally for not providing for your family i know it's easier said than done and i know it's so hard because you're not getting paid but at the same time you have to learn to adapt to the current situation. That's how I've tried to cope with it. I, I'm the opposite because I haven't been in work and I, I mentioned yesterday that the social anxiety is kind of not there at the minute for me because of this virus outbreak, because I just want to go out. Um, it's, it's worked in that effect for me. You know, I'm, I'm sat here thinking, I just want to go in a big crowd. You know, whether or not I'd have a panic attack or not is a different story, but that's how I feel. Your your feeling is um, the opposite. You're you're completely, you know, you're, you're at work. You're thinking, I go, you know, for example, I work at nine to five. I'm going to work at nine in the morning. I'm getting them coming home at five o'clock. I'm doing the kids their tea. Um, I'm having a play on the floor with them. You know, I'm looking about, then I'm bathing them, then I'm bed, putting them to bed. Yeah, it, it's huge, and your routine's completely changed. And and having um, somebody who's uh, a, a young young boy who's been diagnosed with uh, autism, they it's going to be difficult. I mean, I, I don't don't know much about autism apart from you know what a lot of other people know, um, but I can imagine that must be very very hard to try and um, keep keep the young enough occupied. Um, and, and the meltdowns are coming and, and I think you're an absolutely amazing um, father and, and I think you're an absolutely amazing person because I'm not, obviously I can't mention names and but just reading this email you you've all you've done in this email is you've um, spoken about how much you adore your family and how much you want to make your family happy I can I can pretty much assure you that I'm sure you are doing that job you're doing the job and not realizing you're doing such a good job at looking after your family, even in the four walls, you know? Um, so you, you, you go on to, um, 
mentioned you mentioned about sitting at night crying now that's completely normal um, because once you've done all this through the day and you've you know you've had your son having a meltdown you maybe had a little fallout with your wife you've got stressed you've got you know you've lost your temper and all the other things you've done as well you know you've done positive things you've, you've you know you've all had your dinners you've you've, you've played and all this I think that at, the, at night you're you're sat down and you're thinking right I'm I'm mentally drained now I've, I've done it again you know it's another day done don't feel bad for crying because crying is a very very good thing um, crying helps a lot it takes away a lot of it um, once you've had a good cry I feel myself personally that I do feel a lot better um, but you know at the same time it's also showing that how much this is affecting you um, so I, I, you've done you've done brilliantly by sending this email um, because it is I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this uh, email and hopefully you know a lot of people will think yeah so again I, I can't um, I can't advise too much on on the subject um, but because I, I don't know as, as enough about it too but I suppose just talking about it and, and you know saying to you that this this email I, I can relate to a lot of it myself um, uh, always know that you know you are not alone um, there are people out there that will help um, I've, I've mentioned charities and, and phone numbers that you can call on on episode four or five and I think it was five actually and I really do advise you to, to phone them because they are incredible um, I'm not afraid to say that I've, I've phoned them I've phoned them on many occasions and sometimes you just need someone to talk to um, and you can talk to them about anything absolutely anything you phone them up and you know they explain the situation and I'm at the minute I'm talking about the Samaritans now the Samaritans have two different ways of calling them you can call a call the number which is an emergency number if you're feeling suicidal things like that uh, but there's also a number you can phone just to chat um, used for a lot of, uh, of elderly people uh, as well as age UK they, they do use the Samaritans because they do offer that service as well um, so I would advise you to maybe before you feel like you're gonna you know blow up in emotion when you are sat on your own in the evening um, maybe go into another room um, or even in the garden if you've, if you've got a garden and, and just give them a call uh, explain what you've been feeling how you've been feeling and they'll be able to give you a more professional way of dealing with it um, than I personally can as much as I'd love to and I, I hopefully I'm helping you know as much as I can um, they'll probably be able to give you that and, and I, I strongly strongly advise you to do that um, after all this is over another thing that I would say is I would go visit a GP um, now, usually I'd say go straight to a mental health nurse, but I think a GP would be able to advise you first. Uh, this is what I did uh, the first time I you know, noticed symptoms again back in 2016. I saw a GP before I saw a mental health nurse. Um, so I would advise to go see one, explain how you've been feeling. They may just say it's, yeah, it's more than likely because of this situation. Um, and they'll probably give say to you, uh, right, give you a bit of a review uh, in a month uh, after everything's calmed down so you, you know you're back at work and and everything's gone back to normal and if you're still feeling this um, this anxiety and this these low moods then 
maybe you there is a diagnosis out there and you know they can start the plan to um get you get you you know get it controlled um so yeah um i'm just reading the last little bit through again i i really hope this has helped um you've sent us an email your email's been read out it's out there nobody knows who you are you don't need to worry about all that um i'm sure everybody thinks the same that who you know whoever you are you're incredible for doing it um i would like to thank you for emailing the show um i always appreciate emails and if anybody feels the same during this time if um this if this person you, you can relate to any of these feelings then send me an email i'll happily read them out on the shows um and go through them you know paragraph by paragraph and i can try and advise the best i can um and we can you know we can try and help each other because that's what it's all about let's let's help each other let's 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 call this Samaritan podcast a community it's lincoln community podcast i'm thinking about taking the lincoln out to be honest because it ain't just lincoln it's a community podcast i want this to build and i want this to get bigger and i want more people to join into the group and i want more people to post in the group and you know i've seen i've seen a few people post um one of them uh being uh danny langford who posted a picture of him and his three to three of his children uh danny's my cousin and he and he posted that and it was a lovely lovely picture and then this family commented and lots of love emojis and kisses and you know everybody was there and then um only this morning uh, a friend of mine uh ellie who posted a lovely picture of herself and her gorgeous little daughter um which was really nice to see and and ellie actually um sent me a message on on facebook messages saying i'm okay to post it and i was like of course you know it's that's what it's all about the more things like that the better and and it, it makes people smile um so i hope people posting is going to get more people posting because that would be great so right so yeah that's great i'm going to end the uh, email there so thank you very much for the person sending this in again it's been great i'm really really pleased you've sent it i really do hope that it's helped um and i really hope more people are encouraged to send emails into the show because it can help and it does get a lot of um it does lift a lot of weight off your shoulders so uh that's that so we're at the time of the show now where we introduce a guest on um i've got a very very close friend of mine on the line at the minute it's the first time we're using some recording equipment uh that kai's arranged for us so um i've got keith wilkinson on hello keith good afternoon good afternoon how are you not too bad not too bad any nerves? <laughs> nerves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are they? Say. You could say that, yeah. <laughs> so um, thanks for coming on the show, mate. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to ask you the series of questions I ask every guest, and I'm going to obviously tell you that you don't have to answer any of them. You can answer as detailed or as less as you like. Um, so Keith's going to tell us all a little bit about his um, experience with mental health. So the first question I ask people is, uh, what form or forms of mental health do you suffer from? Um, in my case, I guess that would be like a, a two-part question. Um, as in what I was suffering from and what I what I have now in forms of mental health. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's a two-part question, really, because of 
I'm a different person now to the person I once was, if that makes any sense. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. So to begin with, all them years ago, I was, um, like all my life, I struggled with temper and anger issues. Yeah. Um, even from very small, and, you know, I'm quite small now, so I still get it now. <laughs> but um, I think the psychiatrist called it a 0.01 second temper. Wow. Um, where you lash out first and then think of the consequences later. And um, that's when basically the, the depression kicked in after after the occasion and you realised how much of an ass you'd been. And then, yeah, you've, you've gone from having this having this temper, this massive outburst, and then later you actually see how it's affected people and it's a it's a massive come down and a massive guilt trip on yourself. Deservedly so, obviously, but mm, it is a massive yeah. guilt trip. Wow. Okay, so um is that everything you wanted to say on that bit, mate? Yeah. Yeah, well it was Yeah. It is it's explained, you know, that like you say it's two different forms, so it's explained that. Um but yeah. the other questions you can delve deeper with, with the other questions and I'll ask you anyway. So yeah, yeah. um question two is uh when did you first discover um you had problems with your mental health? So what you know, what sort of age was you or things like that, which you kind kind of answered in the uh, last question, but could you maybe tell us a little bit more detail? Yeah, yeah. I mean probably the first time I was actually aware of it was when I met my wife when I was 16. Yeah. Uh, that was probably when I realised that I had a problem, but didn't want to realise I had a problem because I was too bullish about it, I suppose. Um, mm. well, I mean, we've, we've been together 26 years now, and to be honest, wow. God knows she's put up with me. Um, and how long she's put up with me for 26 years, but for, I'd definitely say for the first 10 years, um, she must have been an absolute saint because... I was a complete ass. So, um, mm. just in, in in every way, really, um, my my temper would get flayed from from anything. I was very jealous, um, and I was just I don't know, little man syndrome, I suppose. Yeah, not, yeah, okay. not very tall, and um, just wanted to hit let let the world hear me through through my mouth and fists, I suppose. But that was about it. And yeah. And my temper could fly off the handle at anything. Um, we brought our first house together quite young. I think we was about twenty-one. Um, and you know, just just from putting up, I, I know <laughs> DIY isn't the best thing to do with temper anyway. But and, you know, <laughs> money, <laughs> and money was tight. But I, I can remember putting together a, a chest of drawers. I think, and um, I don't know, something went wrong, and I ended up completely demolishing this test chest of drawers and right, um, yeah. and i could just i can i can see it now i can look i looked up and saw saw the look of horror in in my wife's face and and you just think what have i done what you know why have i done yeah. that and i've uh i've just wrecked a completely good chest of drawers um, <laughs> yeah. but at the time when you're doing it it's it's completely it's the right thing to do because the chest of drawers has hurt you and it's like another person. Yeah, I, like, yeah. I, I see an inanimate object as another person. It's crazy. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Actually, I can relate to that myself, to be fair. Um, it's happened to me a few times. So, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, 
it's even as if something simple as a, a kitchen cupboard. You know, when you when you get up and you bang your head on the kitchen yeah. cupboard, I've wrecked the whole kitchen <laughs> before now. <laughs> right, right, yeah, um, yeah. Just to get get back at the kitchen cupboard, you know, uh, that'll <laughs> that'll teach you. You won't do that. It again. Makes you feel makes you feel better because you've you know you've battered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So your, but, your levels of anger were quite you know quite bad at the time then. Really, they were, you know. they were massive, absolutely yeah. massive, and um, and that linked that linked to the depression because it, I don't know, I, I, could, I suppose I could like it, you know, I've never done drugs in my life, but I suppose I could liken it to a drug where you get that massive high from the temper, yeah, and then you get a massive, massive come down on the depression and the guilt. So, the guilt, I was going to say, is you know, guilt's a massive part of that sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So the next question is actually perfect for the uh, for the way you're describing your mental health because it's do you have any particular coping methods to control your mental health? So you've obviously said that you uh, you, you put it in two different forms. So you've um, now you you know you cope a little bit better. It's still there, but there's there's ways of coping. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do to cope? Yeah, um, I think what happened. Um, that was sort of not like an epiphany to me was um, probably around about 16 years ago. I think her first daughter, she was only about six months old. Um, and, you know, the, the, a lot of pressure comes with kids and, and that lot and having a, having a mortgage, but you know, you still don't have to be a dick about it. Sorry. Of course. Can, yeah. <laughs> you can edit that out. But, um, and I, I was still being that, dick and um i can remember it very well it was on 14th of february valentine's day um for some for some reason or another i didn't get my wife a valentine's day card but she got me one um and that that rack of guilt when i was driving to work just suddenly hit me and i thought you know these two I've got a six-month-old daughter. She's absolutely beautiful. I've got a wife that does everything for me. She's absolutely amazing. They don't deserve me, or I don't deserve them. So mm. I um, I basically just wanted to kill myself. Mm. And that's when the when it all hit me really hard. Um, when I, I drove my car off the road, um, <laughs> I think the only thing I did to it was rip the exhaust off, but that, you know, luckily me. Um, you still, you still did it though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, I, ju I just wanted to remove myself from the situation and, and thinking back now, that's the most, the worst thing I could have done, um, to, to deny my six month old daughter, a dad and, and things like that. That's, that's one of the worst things you could could do no matter how much of a dick I was. But, yeah. um, luckily at that time that the place I was working at, um, I had a very good friend in, human resources there and I managed to make it into work somehow and I basically sat in the corner of the human resources office and cried yeah and cried and cried and I just could not stop crying it was it was sort of like somebody put a switch in my head turned the switch and that was it I was just <sighs> nullified that was it that was that wow. was me <laughs> normal functioning had, had gone and I was just reduced to to nothing in the corner, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But luckily enough, that the 
the lady at work. She was she was fantastic. Um, she took me home, and they got me into um, some psychotherapy where it was all um, hypnosis. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, I went to a lady uh, about twenty five minutes away, and she started me on my path of 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 the new me, basically, and. Um, she was she was just amazing it, it was just in a in a very tiny room two big green chairs um and she just made you feel like you was in this protective bubble and nothing could hurt you nothing could harm you and just the way she spoke was just i don't know it was just mesmerizing and um she really kick-started me off into the person who i am today basically Wow. So she was, yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it goes from the person in the human resources at your work, who, you know, played a massive part in this uh, particular day. Yeah. And then, uh, and then your hypnosis, which we've not actually ever covered on the show. So that's another one that, uh, you know, people might not know about that you can, Mm. you know, look, reach out to somebody and maybe try it, you know. Um, It was amazing. Honestly. It's worked worked for you. Um, Yeah. So, you're, you know, living proof that it has worked. Well, I say that. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she, she got so far, and then she said, "I'm really, I'm sorry, but there's no, there's, no, I can't take you any further." Um, she said, "I think she said she finds me too mentally challenging, which is, which is quite, you know." <laughs> she, she found you too mentally challenging. Yeah. I think, well, uh, yeah. Wasn't that her job? I think a a bit too special was probably what she wanted to say. (laughs) As in in the needs category. um, I suppose that's quite an awkward thing to say to somebody that's trying to get better for mental health. But to be fair, the lady has done a good job for you at the same time. So you can't be too mad at her. But she put me in touch with another psychiatrist. um, And he ran anger management workshops. So okay, I, yeah. st- I started to attend these once a week, anger management workshops. And if anybody does suffer from anger or, you know, pent up rage or anything like that, then these I would really, really recommend going to because it's a group session. There's, there could be any from any five people to 10 people there. Um, and you, you actually see and start to realize that you're not as bad as you think you are. Right, yeah. Because you see people that are even... Well, worse. Yeah. You see yeah, some crazy yeah. people. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but deep down, every single one of them 10 people in that room were, were really, really nice people, but that they just had triggers. And mm. But when we were all together as a 10 and we were all talking over our problems and, and just, just letting letting loose it was it was really good it was really liberating and um and then from that i had private sessions with a psychiatrist and i've I've said i'll say it to this day that that man saved my life he really did and i owe my life to him and he he is amazing i've still well my wife's got him as a friend on facebook at the moment um because he's he's just he was that important to us and he was 
he was amazing. He was he was as good as you know my wife saying with me through it all was was amazing. Yeah. Obviously, but he, yeah, like I said, he saved my life. That's amazing. And they're always going to stick with you, mate. Because that is a massive impact, isn't it? So yeah, they're always going to stay with you. So that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, question four is some you've really you've covered question four really. It's like an example of what, what's triggered your mental health or your anger. Mm. Um, you, you've mentioned about the furniture building. You, you know, you, you've mentioned about realizing, you know, not thinking you're, you know, you, you don't deserve your family and stuff like that. Mm. Um, is there anything else you can think of that's that's triggered it? A certain situation, maybe something, you know, anything? I don't know. I mean, there was a culmination of things. That, um, actually, I'll go back to one of your the previous episodes when you was um, talking about the forts. The is it intrusive thoughts? Intrusive thoughts, yeah. Yeah, I used to suffer really badly with those um, to a point where it did affect my life in a in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let my wife go out to the shops because she she'd just say, "Oh, I've, I've just got to run up to the shop to get some sugar," and the first thing that would flash in my head is that she'd get run over or something. I'd, I'd be like, "Yeah, no, you can't go. I've got to go." Yeah, so yeah, sort yeah. of like stopping her from doing a a medial task just because of what my what my brain is planning um yeah and it it affects what you it affected when i used to play football it was it was to the point where oh, if i haven't kicked the ball with my left foot three times then something bad's going to happen to my family it was it was simple sim, simple like that and it was it, it drives you crazy. It's um... yeah. Well, I, I can tell. I can tell you from experience. Mate, they do follow you everywhere. They don't stay anywhere when you leave the house, and they're you know they're always with you then. Uh, so, but this isn't about me. It's about you. But I do understand yeah. where you're coming from on that. Because um, I hadn't really put a name to it until you started talking about it, and then I thought, hang on a minute. Yeah, I was. That's. I really used to suffer with that, and I'd never really heard the, you know, the intrusive thoughts. So no, yeah. No, well, it was only new to me when I went. We you know going through my therapy with Steps to Change, the NHS um, therapy, and I didn't know what it was called. I just thought, mm. uh, you know, I just thought, why do why does my brain think like that? You know, yeah. but intrusive thoughts is what it is. Yeah. Um, so the uh, final question is um, a question I always have to say before. You don't have to answer this one at all. Um, Good. See you later then. <laughs> Hang up. <laughs> He's gone. <Thanks> a lot. <laughs> so uh, this one is: Do you have any family history of mental health problems that you know of? Do you know what? No. No. No, not really. I mean, my dad's a bit mental, but that's you know, dads are allowed to be mental. Um, oh, of course. <laughs> I'm a mental but, dad. <laughs> but no, I think um, I I have been diagnosed with OCD. And yeah. Uh, growing up, I know my sister definitely had OCD in in a yeah. few things, but I think she's she's grown out of it sort of. So um, I don't know. It's, it's 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 there, but I don't think it's it's it was recognised as well as things are today. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm, yeah. I'm digging into my age a bit there because I'm too old. <laughs> I said a word. Know, just <laughs> back when I were a lad. It was, you know, um, autism was just seen as being naughty or or things like that. So, yeah, I think things have changed and, and yeah. more so for the better, obviously. So, absolutely. But I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to give you crap about your age, mate. I do that enough online, so I won't do it on a podcast. <laughs> don't worry. 
Thanks. <laughs> I'm too but, good to you. <laughs> but I think the main uh, thing that was the main thing that's really saved me is, is family. Um, yeah. And yeah. obviously the, the psychiatrist, but I've got I've got two beautiful daughters now. Um, my wife, God bless her, she's still with me after 26 years, after being oh, the bless. biggest dick in the world. Um, she stayed through the whole way, and I can't. I can't thank her enough, and I, I, it still blows my mind how she is here today. But she must have seen something in me that that I didn't at the time, and she stuck around. And hopefully, she's getting the better Keith now. So, but absolutely, mate. I mean, I see firsthand how how much of a good father you are and a husband you are. So, um, she she loves you, mate. That's why she's there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't make me cry online, you know. <laughs> Damn, I'm trying. <laughs> I got my first cryer. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, every single guest who comes on now is thinking he's going to try and make me cry because no one's cried yet. <laughs> I'm close. No, um, <laughs> is there anything you want to say to the listeners before we finish? Uh, this isn't an official question; it's just something I say at the end of every uh, interview. Um, just the the main thing about anything with mental health and and what's going on a bit in the world right now and whatever is talking, talking and admitting not just to yourself but to others what you're going through you know like a problem shared is a problem halved and all that it, it is very very true just talk about your feelings tell people how you feel because if you don't then they can't make the change or you can't make the change to make things better so just talk yeah amen to that um, it's been a very popular one at the end of a show that, you know, talking, getting things out, not letting things stay in your mind. And it just helps so much, yeah, doesn't it? So Definitely. Excellent. Well, that is the end of the interview. I'd like to thank you very much for coming on. Um, I hope it's made you feel good a bit, you know, getting it off your chest a little bit. Um, yeah. And, you know, the main thing is it is going to help others. Um, they're going to hear your story. They'll might maybe something, you know, that might trigger in their mind to say, wow, that, that happened to me, you know. A bit like yeah. you said with the intrusive thoughts, you know, I mentioned that and you, you know, you kind of went in your brain and thought, ah, that's what it is. Yeah, just made um, that link. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Okay, Keith, well, enjoy the rest of your day and thanks again for coming on, mate. Will do. Thanks, Sam. Take, take care, mate. Bye. And you take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so one other thing I wanted to do. This will be a bit of a shorter episode because I do have children and one of them's two and one of them's newborn, as you know, so I, I can't be on recording too long, but uh, <laughs> I am going to do something different today. I've actually... I do try and put as much as a positive spin on this podcast as I can. Um, and, I, and, and I know that a lot of people um, enjoy this podcast, which is great, and that's really it means a lot. But one thing that I wanted to do is a comedian called Russell Howard has a program called Russell Howard's Good News. And it's a really, really good program. He, he goes through all news reports from all over the world, and it's all really good stories. Uh, not just readable stories. He shows videos and things like, you know, like the soldiers' homecomings and, um, you know, people helping each other and, you know, communities getting together and all that sort of thing. So I've actually gone on a website called um, thegoodnewsnetwork.org. This is literally a website with headlines of happy stories so i thought 
to bring a bit of positivity as you can see i've kept upbeat throughout the whole whole show um uh, which i'm trying i'm trying my best <laughs> um so yeah i'm gonna read out some uh, some of them are really funny but i'm gonna read out some um news headlines from this website and the first one i saw um was um actually about anxiety and it was three ways to deal with anxiety of a new situation which is obviously very relatable to this current situation of the old COVID-19. So what they've put on this story um, is basically... Uh, sorry, my laptop's deciding to uh, go a bit mental. So I'm only going to read out one of these. Um, and <laughs> this is a bit of a plug, but hey... What that's what I'm here for. Um, the first, um, so sorry, I'm I'm trying to talk while I'm reading the laptop. I should have got this prepared, but I've got 12% battery on my laptop, so I'm trying to do it as quick as I can. So good talks. This is the subject number one, which I'm going to read out. Listen to a podcast. Hey, how about that? So you can't get better than that for me. So I'm going to advise you. Keep listening to this podcast. It's going to help your anxiety. Yes. Plug, plug, plug. There we go. See? Brilliant. I'm brilliant like that. I can just think of things and there we go. So I'm going to go back to the main page now. Hopefully that's give you all a little bit of a laugh. If it hasn't, I try. Um, so one of the headlines was really random, but it made me, it tickled me. After 13 years of social distancing, giant pandas finally mate during peaceful COVID-19 zoo closures. Now, what else do you want to know on a Wednesday morning, listening to the Sanitarium podcast about two giant pandas mating? Yeah, there you go. You heard it here, you heard it here first, unless you knew about this website before the episode, you heard it there first, but I've plugged the website, so I can't get in trouble for that. Yeah, so that's an interesting one about pandas mating. Why not? Um, this one I really liked. Family cheers up neighbourhood by spending six hours colouring each brick of their house with rainbow chalk. Go on this website and click on it. It is awesome. They've literally turned their house into a rainbow. It looks like to me, it's like a little, it's a terraced house with one of those huge bay windows that stick out really nice little house and yeah the picture i can see is them um they've called them all in and there's a little girl two little girls and a mom and the dad's on the ladder carrying on to, obviously to the bit and i think that's really cool um so this one is uh another one that i've seen man uses his savings to fill up gas tanks for dozens of nurses heading to nearby hospitals now this is actually in the united states uh no it's not tell a lie it's in the united kingdom i was looking at the wrong one um so basically this is a photograph of a guy with a sign in a white sign with red writing that says free gas for nurses and it is the United States sorry it is the United States um, and yeah that's really cool so what he's done is he saved up all of his money bless him and as soon as um, a member of the hospital staff which is in the local area where this where this chap's standing near the garage 
Um, he then asks them to see their medical cards and then he gives them the money to fill their cars up. I think that's pretty cool. Really kind, really nice thing to say. Um, you've probably seen this one. Uh, actor Matthew McConaughey um, cheers up nursing home residents with rousing games of virtual bingo. There's videos of him doing it and it's really, really cool. You've, you've just got like a split screen of all these people playing bingo, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey um, doing the, um, you know, drawing the balls and stuff. What a guy. I'm not a fan of his acting, but uh, that's, that's irrelevant. As a person, you know, what a legend. Um, you've probably seen that Bill Gates is uh, building factories to produce seven of the most promising COVID-19 vaccines. Bill Gates has put, you know, millions of pounds, dollars into that, uh, which is cool. Um, it's nice to see these mega, mega rich people, um, you know, helping the world heal. Um, so I've seen a... This was actually in America. Um, the New England Patriots, the NFL side, uh, they've sent their team jet, uh, which they travel to the uh, NFL games in during the season. Um, they've sent them in the jets to deliver 1.2 million N95 masks from China to Boston, Massachusetts, and all the hospitals in New York City, um, which is incredible thing to do. Um, these. You know, a lot of um, the hospitals are running out of supply. So when all these people are clubbing together and doing things like that, it is pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool. That's, that's not not the right way to say it. It's an it's amazing. Um, so there was a guy in the United Kingdom here. I found. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen this, uh, but he 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 basically lives in um, a bit of a rural area, um, and he. He makes sandwiches um, and, and tea and, and crisps and he's put a gazebo outside his front lawn on the path. It's one of them ones, it doesn't go all the way over, it's got like an opening so obviously he's not blocking the path but he's, he's put this gazebo and he's put a table and he's put free lunches for everybody um, and then he's actually got a TV on his table of him videoing himself making these sandwiches with gloves on, with a mask on. Um, he, he's videoed himself detolling and, and anti-backing all the all the surfaces that he he's spreading the bread and the butter and everything. And so people have reassured that you know, wow, he's giving free lunches, and this is for anybody. Anyone can just walk past and go, wow, free lunch. He's just done it in his community. Again, it's the community sticking together. It's really, really, really nice to see. Um, another one I saw was um, I, I saw I, I read that there was a tiger um, that got coronavirus, and there's now animals that are getting coronavirus, um, but they say that they, they they don't get symptoms and they don't they're not ill it's just kind of the virus is in them but again it's still spreading so just watch your cats and i know that's easier said than done because cats just want to go out but uh yeah that's another thing that i was quite uh, shocked at seeing um there was uh, a thing a thing there was a story here that a gentleman um went up to the window of a uh, hospital with a sign saying, thank you for saving my life. Um, who This gentleman had heart surgery during the COVID-19, so only recently, 
Um, he was literally minutes away from dying, you know, cardiac arrest, and they brought him back and they gave him, um, they gave him um, urgent heart surgery there and then, and they've had to release him earlier than he normally would because of all this what's going on. Um, I believe that he wanted to get out and see his, his wife uh, and his son, uh, who are all isolating, self-isolating together. Um, and he'd not seen them because of this. They couldn't go see their dad in hospital. So, you know, the son was there saying, is my dad going to survive? It's three or four days ago, the last time I ever see him. Um, but no, he didn't. He survived it. And, and he went, he took a trip um, in a taxi um, to the hospital just to hold up a sign to say thank you so much for saving my life and it says you guys are incredible so that's another really nice story um which will be my last story um getting emotional <laughs> can't read anymore <laughs> uh, so yeah i'm going to play a song and i hope it just cheers everybody up a little bit it's a happy song it's got it's just, the lyrics are incredible the artist is one of my favorite um artists you know, in in different the music genre, um, he he's an artist that is no longer with us, only very recently, um, and his name is Bill Withers, um, and the song is "Stand By Me," and I think at the minute um, it's a nice song for everybody to relate to. Um, it was really sad to hear that he passed away. Um, so this is Bill Withers. Be your friend. 
So we are at the end of episode six. Um, I'm going to be recording episode seven in the next few days. Uh, I've just got to try and write a few things down. I must admit it's getting harder and harder now because I'm, I'm running out of things to do. So if you do have impact on any of my shows or want to, um, you know, come on the show on a phone call, I can phone call, I can video call. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have you. And if you do have any ideas for upcoming shows, then send us an email at sanitariumpodcast at aol.com. That's samatariumpodcast at aol.com. Just for new listeners, that's samatarium, not sam. Yeah, we're, we're clever. We're a very clever show, new listeners. Um, thinking of names like that. Martin, thinking of names like that. Anyway, so that's going to be it for me. Um, thanks again all for listening. I hope you all stay safe. Um, I hope everybody can be as well as they can during these awful times. Love one another. Stick together. Try and get through this together because we will beat this. We always do. We will. We always beat coronavirus. But you know what I mean. We always get through stuff. This country, this world unites when we need it. When we need it most. And just, just stick together. Stay at home and be good. Just be good. Listen to the government. Just be good. Don't be idiots. That's all. That's all we need to do. And then we'll be all out and about again, and we'll, you know this will be a distant memory. So thank you all again. Stay safe. Be kind. Lots of love.